Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hey everybody, it's Peter. Just wanted to let you know that this is going to be a continuation of last week's episode, where Liz and Mike discussed Legends Untold. This week, they're going to have their design discussion on putting RPG elements into board games. And I have some thoughts on that as well, so stay tuned after the after credits to hear my thoughts on the subject. But for now, take it away, Mike and Liz. All right, so we're now going to continue with our design discussion. And the question we're looking at today is whether you can recreate a RPG experience in a card game or a board game and kind of what are the best ways to do so, what are the most and least successful games that have tried it, any of that kind of stuff. So the first thought that kind of came to me with this, Liz, is what do we mean by RPG experience? And I think both for me and for a lot of gamers, RPG can be a very different thing. For me personally, and I, and I get the feeling for you because you, you're you're a D and D player and, and other kind of tabletop role playing game player, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to D and D this Saturday night. Awesome, awesome. I wish I had a regular group going. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I've been a pretty much a DM or a GM forever. Like I almost never get to play as a player, but I've been running role playing games for years and years since I was in my teens. And for me, when I talk about like an RPG experience, I mean like Dungeons and Dragons or you know, GURPS or Palladium or Fate or uh, Call of Cthulhu, like whatever, like where your character can do anything. They have a set of statistics that might determine how well they do it. You have a GM there that's kind of like determining your success or failure. Your characters slowly level up over time. But in the end, it's like about that collaborative tor- storytelling. It's about a freedom of choice and freedom of decision and the narrative going in crazy directions based on what the characters do. But I think for a lot of gamers, when I talk about or when somebody talks about kind of an RPG experience, they're thinking more along what I would call the video game RPG experience. And that, I think, is Mm -hmm. super different. I think the video game RPG experience, especially JRPGs, which are what I started with in terms of video games, is all about... Yeah, yeah, you too. Oh, yeah, yeah. we checked out... We we borrowed Final Fantasy games from Blockbuster so often when I was oh my gosh. Like dating me, right? But like my, Blockbuster, my brother man. I, no, no, oh, me, me too. I, I, got, uh, I got Shining Force, the original Shining Force for the Sega Genesis from Blockbuster. And, like, I was trying my best to beat it before I had to return it because my mom wouldn't renew it. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. We would just pray that our save file was still on there and we could get Uh-oh. it back. <laughs> oh, I got a copy once that would not save. It was the worst time of my life. I, no. I literally cried fat, sad child <laughs> tears in front of my TV screen. Oh, painful memories. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so for the video game RPG experience, like, look at Diablo or something like that. The narrative is very kind of self-contained and set. Maybe you get a little bit of variation. Maybe you get a slight choose-your-own-adventure feel to it. But it's really about, like, combat and interesting combat. It's about uh, character building and progression and leveling up. It's about, like, loot and and getting cool things. So some people are going to say this board game has provides a great RPG experience. But I think most of the time they mean a great video game RPG experience. What do you think, Liz? I would say yes, because a lot of it focuses on things like leveling and loot and progression, which, I mean, leveling up in D&D is also really fun. That's true. 
Oh, but, sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, let's get real. I just picked up the acting skill in my with my like low level tabaxi wizard. It's really fun. Actually, this is the element that I think is interesting to talk about, right? Which is in a video game, you know, you can grind. And I don't think that grinding in a board game is as fun, actually, as it is in a video game. So, like, well, especially Final when you're playing multiplayer. <laughs> no. So, like, Final Fantasy Tactics is one of my, is one of my all-time favorite video games. Me I too, me too. I love Final Fantasy Tactics. Like, you don't even want to know. Like, when I had a surgery on my jaw when I was a kid, all I did was, like, drink boost smoothies because that was all I could eat. And, like, play Final Fantasy Tactics to ease my suffering. <laughs> because it totally works with my collector mentality, right? It's like, oh, let me go and try to make somebody a master in every profession in here. Like, oh, a new profession should up. I have to try it. But I also have to finish this other profession. Oh, I better go back to Mandalia Plains and, like, have another fight. You know? And, um, you know, I think that that's hard to really recreate well in a... Um, in a board game, especially in a multiplayer experience, but even with solo, like the closest I've seen to that is maybe something like maybe City of Kings, where you get to like go up the little skill tree, and I actually love that part of the game. But to me, that's not the RPG experience. To me, the RPG experience is that more Dungeons and Dragons y experience where you have a cool story and there's stuff that you laugh about later that happened and crazy things can happen in the game. That's what I'm looking for when I say I'm looking for an RPG experience on the tabletop. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that I don't know if a board game can achieve it without basically becoming an RPG. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I know? have serious questions about whether you can really replicate it. So I think board games can do the leveling great. I think it'll be faster than a video game often because I do think grinding is bad. You know, we saw in the Dark Souls board game that just fighting the same person over and over again with no discernible change is not a fun experience multiplayer. I think uh, Kingdom Death also, I haven't played it, but talking to uh, Razupath on board BGG in the Slack... You know, he says you're fighting the same lion over and yeah. over again to try to get some, like, new craftable materials and such. Um, I, I think that's fine solo, but not great multiplayer. But yeah, a lot of board games will have, like, very consistent progression. Like, look at uh, Descent or Imperial Assault. Like, after every mission, you're getting some new items, you're getting some new skills. Bam, bam, bam. Fun stuff happens. Right. But yeah, I, I think they kind of have to have that canned narrative, that more JRPG-ish narrative. And this is where I think something like Madara, that's uh, going to be on Kickstarter again soon is it truly is when people say it's the jrpg experience in a box i think it is but it's not the rpg experience in a box it's the jrpg experience right where they already wrote this really fun story and you get to be there to experience it but you don't you don't have agency you don't affect it in any major way like the main characters are still going to do what the main characters are going to do and you're just kind of there to watch a fun anime (laughs) while you're getting to play a fun tactical game right and i'm actually really cool with that i think that the problem and actually i think this is where i ran into a little bit of trouble with legends untold is that the story is cool but i don't always feel like i'm i feel like sometimes i'm just kind of getting through the game to get to the next chunk of story so without that tactical interest i would rather just read the book i confess i totally did that with my Mystics. Uh, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> well, my, Mice and Mystics, I had m- more problems with the gameplay <laughs> than I think but a like, lot of people had major problems with the gameplay. But game the story was there. so cute, so I totally, you know, I played a bunch of it, and then, you know, I've absolutely cheated and read ahead to the end, because... Yeah, we, we did that with Stuff Fables, sort of, when I was playing with my uh, six-year-old. At some point, I was like, man, these mechanics are just killing me inside. All right, so, Harrison, we beat all these guys. <laughs> just roll a die. Oh, you rolled you roll a hit? They're all dead. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Moving on. Here's here's another. Let me, let me read another page to you. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing I've noticed is, you know, over time as a reviewer, I've actually really noticed this in myself. Like, you know, the more games you review, the more refined your tastes get in a way, I think. And I've discovered that, you know, those games that are supposed to be dungeon crawlers, but they the the ones that describe themselves as D&D in a box. Like, I don't even like the D&D board games that much. I think I rated Castle Ravenloft like a three out of five. Oh no, that that game's pretty yeah. sauce, I but think. like, but what I mean is that anything that's supposed to replicate that experience, but it really just replicates kind of just a bunch of die rolling without some sort of you know thing to hang it on, it just doesn't work great for me. And I wonder, I was wondering why this is so different because I don't care about all the die rolling when I play Dungeons and Dragons with my friends on Saturday night. I think it's hilarious, but it's because there are other people to interpret what that role means. It doesn't mean a set thing. The dungeon master gets to decide ultimately what it means and make it funny. And we have very good DM. So basically, even when bad things happen, it somehow turns out entertaining. If that makes sense. Like, I need... No, it does. It I, does. Absolutely. I need the other people there with me to make it funny, to make it fun, to make it engaging. Because it's a lot funnier when, I don't know, somebody's rolling to see if they can communicate with an animal. And then your GM starts pretending to roleplay as a chicken. Like, I mean, it's great. <laughs> it makes all that die rolling worth it because there's like some really good, you know, entertainment value in there. But, you know, even then, you know, battles are not always the funnest part. It's like all the dialogue and the, oh, no, are you OK? And the, you know, that sort of interactive. And I'm a solo gamer. I just don't know that you can really replicate that alone with some cardboard and plastic. I just I'm a doubter. I confess. Yeah, I mean, well, no, I know I basically agree with you. I think solo, the best you can do really is the choose your own adventure feel, you know, because at least then you do have some control over the story. But even that I haven't seen done very well, except in choose your own adventure books. Like a lot of the games that try to do it, either the game portion is underwhelming or the story doesn't have as much agency as I want. Like Legacy of Dragonholt, my wife and I enjoyed for a little while, but then quickly became pretty dull. Honestly, my favorite would probably be this isn't really an RPG, but Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Oh, I love that game. Yeah, and, and I feel like there I have a ton of control over where I go, and it does have an immersion because I can go anywhere, even though you know 90% of the places will be like, what the hell are you talking about? But um, yeah, I, I think that one actually did like kind of solo immersion in an RPG-ish choice-driven experience fairly well. Yeah, although I don't play by the rules in that at all. I'm like, I'm going to read this flavor text. Somebody wrote it. I'm going to enjoy it. Oh, you just like read through the all the paragraphs? Heck yeah. <laughs> I go everywhere. I'm like, I don't even worry about time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. I think I could. Now I'm going to go here. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Because for me, it's fun. You know, I like the town exploration parts of RPG and stuff. Like, I didn't choose, so this probably tells you something about me. Like, the wizard that I chose to play is an illusionist, not somebody who does all the hard-hitting elemental combat spells. I know, I, I always play an illusionist or a rogue. Like, I'm all about the tricksters and the, the fast-talking characters in my, my D&D plays. Exactly. But how many board games can really give you a satisfying experience as that? Well... Most can't, and it even makes me think of uh, Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition. I don't know if you ever played 4th Edition. No, but that was, I skipped uh, from that, like 3 to 5. Yeah, yeah and that, that's what a lot of people did. 4th Edition was the weird one because it was very much board gamified and like tactical miniature gamified. 
so much of the player's handbook and so much of the GM's handbook was dedicated to, like, tactical combat, and you had to have a board, and you had to have squares, and you had, like, your entire characterization was the powers you could use, and how often could you do this much damage, and how would you recover it? And I didn't mind it. It was a very fun tactical miniatures game, but you could tell they were, like, totally dropping some of the focus on the RPG stuff, and that was, like, all they really cared about. And actually, that does kind of lead into what I think is my advice for designers of these kind of games. I think it's fine to do a dungeon crawler. That's a pretty established genre, and players are clearly ready to do those, even though I do think it is, in many ways, either a video game RPG experience or kind of RPG light. And if you're trying to present yourself as actually having an RPG experience, you're probably lying, or you're probably overcomplicating your game to try to achieve that. But really, I think sometimes the most successful games are the ones that pick one aspect of RPGing and do it well. So this is where I was going to bring up Roleplayer that we had mentioned earlier. Roleplayer is like, hey, you know what's fun? Making a character. And that's that's so true. Like, my favorite time with RPGs is often just, like, rolling up characters and thinking up backstory. And Roleplayer, that's all you do. It's like a dice placement game. Get some points. And while you're doing it, hey, look, you made a drunken dwarf who has fire breath, you know? Like... <laughs> I, I think yes. that that game was very clever because it just zoomed in. And, uh, you know, similarly, Gloomhaven has a huge campaign, but for me, that's become a detriment. And I actually trade away my copy because I'm like, I don't have time. Your story, sorry, Isaac, your story isn't that compelling for me. It's not really that great of a narrative. I just want to play your cool tactical combat. Yes. So that's why, you know, I don't. Th- I think a lot of people might not agree with me, but something like Alter Quest is actually more in my wheelhouse right now than Gloomhaven. Because I don't have time or the commitment, especially with me reviewing games all the time, I don't have the time or commitment to stick with the game for like 150 plays, unless it's Arkham Horror, uh, the card game, and that's just because I love it. Um. <laughs> so I'm not progressed as far in Gloomhaven as I like. I enjoy what I've played so far. Actually, I'm really excited. We're moving to another apartment in about a month, and I have declared that that you know I, we always use the second bedroom as my office unless we have a guest. But I'm like, no, we're putting a table in there that I can leave games on and shut the cats out. We're doing it. So I might actually have a chance at this. Because, <laughs> you know, having to put Gloomhaven away and then take it back out is just the worst. It's so yeah. bad. But, but um, yeah, so, so, so for me, like, just to kind of finish the point, and, and don't get me wrong, some people love, like, this is their favorite thing about Gloomhaven. But for me, like, Gloomhaven is trying to do too much and it, it bloats the experience to where it's hard to get to the table for me consistently. If it was just the great tactical combat and varied characters, which is what I feel Alter Quest kind of does, that, that would be awesome for me. All the campaign stuff is very cool. I respect it greatly. Isaac did an unbelievable job of providing, you know, nothing compares in the content that is in there. But I don't need all of that. It just comes out as noise, especially with a lot of the scenarios being similar. I'm just like, get that crap out of the way and let me focus on the part that I enjoy. Pick one part of the RPG experience and make it beautiful. And that's what I want to play. Make it elegant, you know? Yeah, I'll probably have more refined thoughts on that in a couple more months. <laughs> but uh, I, I do love the tactical combat, and I like the leveling. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I like the leveling, too. And I guess you wouldn't have yeah. that without the campaign system. But, like, I I guess I'm probably farther than you. I think I'm 30 missions in or so. So I think that's yeah. almost halfway there. And, yeah, at some point I was just like, jeez, man. These scenarios feel samey. The, like, the, the only exciting part was when I got a new character. I was like, all right, new character. Let's explore that. And then... And that gets saved after a while, too. <laughs> but, yeah, so back to Alter Quest, actually. One of the reasons I, I agree with you, I think it's really promising, is that, you know, Street Masters has that same vibe. It's just not fantasy of, like, yeah. I really get into the scenario 
of, you know, oh my god, this is happening. This, I don't know, this boss is killing all these weaker fighters to promote the stronger fighters. Oh no, we're stuck in a cryogenic freezer. Like, oh no. So there's a looseness to those modular deck system games that I think can upset people who really like precise rules because there are occasionally moments where things don't totally fit and you have to make a choice. Absolutely. Um, but like, I'm good with that in pursuit of a good story. And that's what the Saddlers like to do is create a really rocking adventure story with interesting card play. So I have a lot of hope for Alter Quest to be closer to that thing I'm looking for. Yeah, that, that's interesting, because mentioning that does kind of bring up the idea of emergent narrative in games. And I think back to one of Tom Vassell's favorites, one of the few times I fully agree with him, which is uh, <laughs> Duel of Ages. I don't know if you've ever played uh, Duel of Ages. I have not. But yeah, so Duel of Ages is like this wacky, like, time-traveling arena game where Joan of Arc is, you know, trying to fight some robotic assassin from the future. And... It has some of the best emergent gameplay because of, like, mixing those disparate elements and just, you know, just laugh with my friends as we played it, trying to explain the crazy stuff that was happening, which is very much not identical to the RPG experience. But I think living it and observing it comes across the same, like justifying weird stuff happening and explaining odd choices and things and like laughing about it and having it stick in your mind as a fun shared story later it's not the same, but I think there's some similar elements there. It's like spiritually closer or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so that does go into the, the sort of one design thought I had to slightly get the narrative thing into one of these kind of games. Like I could see Legends Untold doing this. And this is something I've done in my games as the uh, the DM and the GM when I've had groups that have been very averse to describing their actions and getting into the theme themselves. Like, I'm sure you've played in groups like this, Liz, where it's just like, I use my climbing skill. I got a 22. And that's like the sum total of that, you know, player's uh, contributions. Yeah. This is why I solo. No, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so so what I've done in groups like that is I've uh, incentivized mechanically describing narratively your actions. So I would do something like, hey, so instead of just saying I hit him with my axe, I did five damage, um, I will give you plus two to your hit roll and plus two to your damage roll if you describe what's happening with your axe. You know, and, and groups would be like very hesitant at first. Uh, I swing my axe really hard at his kidneys. And I'd be like, all right, that's great. That's great. Plus two. Let's see what. Oh, you got it. You killed him. <laughs> you know, and, um, I, I've had a lot of success with that. So I'm having some strong fear of girls memories. Have you seen that YouTube series? No, I haven't. Okay, so everybody who's ever loved D&D, you need to go on YouTube and watch Fear of Girls. It's this really old old like comedy series about these two extreme nerds who love D&D and they're super awkward, <laughs> but they're also sort of endearing, but uh like their descriptions get really out of control. It's like there's these two guys who play together. It's great. Oh, that's awesome. No, I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> but yeah, so I like I'm curious if a board game or card game, like a dungeon crawler, for example, especially one with repetitive dice rolls, like uh, Legends Untold, could kind of have that role, even as an option, I think would be interesting. Because I do think it's tough to require it. Like, even in my D&D games, I didn't require it. I would say you get a bonus if you do it, but it's not like you can't attack unless you describe how you're attacking. And I think if a board game did it, 
they might kind of put off players that want things to be very set and want things to be entirely like rule based, <laughs> rule based, rule based, <laughs> and really specific. I, I yeah. think it's a natural tension between board games and RPGs that like RPGs are rules light often and kind of hands off and figure it out as you go. And board games, that's for most people a cardinal sin. Like I hate board games that are like it's a sandbox, and by it's a sandbox, I mean I didn't actually play test it well. You know, <laughs> like that's. <laughs> That's something that infuriates right. me, so I don't know how I'd actually feel about this. But yeah, it just, as a little idea, I think it'd be cool to maybe be like, hey, okay, Ultra Quest, you get an extra success if you describe how you're attacking that kobold, you know, or whatever. Yeah, that actually does make sense. It's just sort of incentivizing a level of engagement that maybe people are a little too shy about. Because the thing that's interesting about DD2, though, is that in order to play it successfully, I really believe that you have to have a certain level of vulnerability, and you have to be willing to look stupid in front of your friends and pretend to be a druid or, you know, whatever it is you're doing, right? If you're too buttoned up for it, it's not as fun, but it's hard sometimes to get to the point where you're ready to be that in front of the people that you're playing with, especially with a new group or in a one-off and, you know, finding some sort of way to help people come out of their shells and play. You know, I work on this with students too, right? Is, is always a good thing. Yeah, and I think board games have the added challenge that people aren't just shy, but they feel mm-hmm. like it's actually against the experience. You're like, why are you why yeah. are you describing what you're doing? What's wrong with you? We're playing a game. <laughs> you know, like. Right. But the other thing is that board games are comforting for people who don't, you know, and this is me when I'm among strangers too, right? Is board games are comforting because they have rules. So there's like, a, there are rules of engagement. We don't have to have awkward conversations because there are rules to follow and there's a thing we can do together that is set and we don't have to like be awkward because there's a game between us that has like a it's a common world we're in right now i don't know i don't know where that why i'm going there with that but i guess i was just thinking about like trying to force more i guess almost extroversion sometimes right out of people can be tough yeah totally when i think that even goes back to just full-on rpgs a lot of D games i've played are 100% dungeon crawlers. Like, I might as well be playing Descent, you know, except with a different rule set because there's no there's no character playing. There's no, like, kind of... They're just like, hey, okay, we go into the next room. What monsters are there? Those ones? Okay, I fight them. They're dead. We search for loot. Okay, we go into the next room. And it becomes a game of Diablo, basically, you know? And, and I've tried more freeform RPGs with some success and some failures. Like, ones... I've tried ones where there's... It's a GM-less game, you know? And it's like, hey... Let's all tell a story together. And sometimes that is terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I've had really mixed results, even with games like Once Upon a Time or something with students, sure, right? Sure, sure. Or, like, Gloom. Gloom is a lot more fun if you tell the stories and, like, make it real weird. But if you are with a group that won't do that, you know, you just have to lean on the cards. And, it, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, one thing I really love about the current Dungeon Dungeons Dragons campaign I'm in is that our GM has had this world of his own that he's been working in since college. And, you know, he has a notebook for each of our characters, and they have this deep contextualization in his world. And, you know, I'm new to his campaigns, but he has characters show up and locations show up that other people clearly recognize. And, you know, we all just sort of graft onto his world. And there's something about that that's really special. And I mean, it's almost like Gloomhaven. I really, <laughs> but I really, characters show up again and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I really value that experience 
And I do think that it has to be something that I do separately from my board game life. Because I don't think that a board game can ever truly hit that kind of depth. Yeah. So I guess we can finish up there. I think we both agree. Board games can't really do the full RPG thing when we talk about tabletop RPGs. I think they can do the video game RPG thing and more power to them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, I think tabletop RPGs are still around for a reason, and I hope they're always around for that same reason. I think they provide something that nothing else really can, and that's that's really cool. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Liz. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is a really fun chat. I like talking to other D&D nerds. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, P- Peter's played D&D with me a bit, but definitely I'm the, the nerdier RPG one out of the... Uh, the crew. One of the reasons I like Legends Untold. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Liz, tell us again, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, my username is Beyond Solitaire pretty much everywhere. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Board Game Geek, and of course I am at www.beyondsolitaire.net and at youtube.com slash beyondsolitaire. So, pretty repetitive, pretty easy. Yeah, and go check out uh, her latest videos on cartographers, which I'm really into after watching your video. And, of course, uh, Ultra Quest. You can double-team us and just, like, uh, watch one and then the other uh, in whatever order you like and get a full picture of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went for a, a full-on solo playthrough as opposed to controlling two characters. So if you want to see how it plays with just one, that's what my video can provide. I- I'm glad you did that because I... Outside of the video, I played it several times, just one character, and I loved it. I just wanted to show kind of the cooperative element, too. But yeah, I mean, it, it plays great solo, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you got that coverage out there. Yeah, hey, you know, again, that's why you need more than one of us, so. That's right. <laughs> All right, so good gaming, everyone. We'll see you at the next stop, and go check out Beyond Solitaire, one of our sister, brother, friend channels on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Happy gaming, guys. Yeah, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop, where you can get great game playthroughs and 5 and 5 reviews. If you want to have a conversation with us, the best place to reach out to all of us is on the Slack channel. Links are in the show notes. You can also talk to us on Twitter at MVP Board Games or email us at MVPBoardGames at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next week with another Top 5 list. All right, so that was actually a really interesting discussion. I think it could have gone a lot of different ways. And I come at it from this perspective. I think Mike actually had a really good point early on when he was talking about role player. And maybe you're not going to replicate a RPG completely, but you can have certain elements of an RPG. And I'm going to break it down even further. Role player was the character creation. We also have dungeon crawlers, which are the fighting aspects of it. And then you have story games, or these choose-your-own-adventures, which do the narrative better than other games. And you have some freeform games, too. I think... You know, what they're looking for is kind of a freeform experience where you're creating a story together. Well, you have things like Rory's Story Cubes and games like that where you can bounce ideas back and forth and you can take things that don't appear to go together and put them together. Or if you want to play a game like Tales of the Arabian Nights, I don't love the game personally. Some people are going to like it better than others. I don't think you have enough agency in it for me. But what it does is you can take this story and when these bad moments happen to you and you can kind of explain them away. You add your own narrative to it. And I think there was another good point brought up where some games where they don't give you the narrative, 
give you the opportunity to add your own narrative. And I think games like Dead of Winter do a really good job. I've certainly heard many stories, people playing Salvation Road, where they tell me their story of how their survivors escaped or how they almost made it and last minute something happened. So I think there are games where they don't give you a huge narrative element. I think those games do a really good job of sometimes at least opening up the world for you to create your own narrative. And I think something that works really well with this is strong character identities. So, you know, sometimes you'll get character powers in a game, whether it's individual characters or factions, if you're playing one of these 4X games, where you have something that makes you unique. And sometimes I think those do a really good job of telling a story, and sometimes I don't think they do a great job at all. And so if you do a really good job of having your characters feel unique, but not only unique, But there's a reason for that backstory. There's something in there. And sometimes you can write narrative text about it. And sometimes it's just obvious. You know, this character is doing this. And whenever their character is doing their bad thing, it's like, oh, well, that's just, you know, that character being that character again. So I think you can create some narrative around that. I also think that this is very group dependent. I think some groups do a great job. I know our group probably doesn't do as good a job as most at creating these narrative moments because a lot of times we're trying to get the feel of the game. And I think sometimes we don't slow down enough to tell the story ourselves. And there are actually some games, you know, something else I didn't mention earlier, but games like Mountains of Madness, where they create these moments of, you know, you have to do crazy things in the middle of the game. And that tells a story in and of itself. And so you can kind of build a story that way as well, where, you know, you have to do these crazy things. And well, that's just you as you're going through these Mountains of Madness, starting to go insane. And so I do think you can have some narrative elements added to it. If that's what you want from the RPG experience, if you want the fighting side of things, again, Mike and Liz talked about this very well, and that you have these dungeon crawlers, and you know some of them do a good job. There are games specifically that have been trying to do this, like Pathfinder, the card game, as well as the D&D Adventures, which they mentioned. You know, we're going to talk more about Pathfinder, and actually, I'd like to talk more about D&D Adventures too, because I have a fonder memory of that game than Mike and Liz did, but. You know, I might bring that out with my kids, and maybe that's the perfect spot for it. I don't think it's going to create this huge narrative that some of these other games do. I know Pathfinder, with their new set, has added more story in. Again, I think to try to get more of that narrative feel to the game. But I'll be honest. When you look at it in the long run, if you want a game that you sit down at a table and it feels like an RPG, why would you grab a board game? I mean, you could go so far into this RPG realm without going all the way, but at some point, it's a gray area. You know, you're gonna either cross over and just be a RPG, or you're gonna be a board game. And I don't know why we are distinguishing the two. Certainly, I think you want to borrow some of those RPG elements, but if a board game felt like an RPG, then it would just be an RPG. So I, I... I wonder about even the whole premise of this discussion, because I think if you want an RPG experience, you know, at the tabletop, then you're just going to play an RPG. So that's where I come down on it all. But I did enjoy the discussion. I hope you all did too. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts. And we do have a couple of outtakes before the final goodbye. But thanks for joining us again. Thanks to everybody who joined the Slack. And look forward to talking to you guys in two weeks. Next week, Steve should be back with Elijah. And they'll be covering another great game. 
Let the hate flow through you, Michael. <laughs> now, this is the part where, like, Peter does some weird whispered thing. I'm not going to do that. He'll probably be recording. mad at me for not having it, but whatever. <laughs> hey, Mike. Yes? Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting chicken. Interrupting chicken. Who? <laughs> <laughs>